BBCC episode 17, my realization of the day, I'd say about mm, 80% of the gals that I've dated over the years have been white girls. And not just any white girls, guys. I'm talking vampires. I'm talking translucent women, okay? Um, I don't know what it is, but I suspect it's all the Tim Burton movies that I've watched over the years. And you will definitely, this will make more sense later on in this episode. So let's just go ahead and hop into it. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. It is your boy, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. Bloody Blunts, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram, a.k.a. No Priest in My Pie, please. This is um, your favorite horror podcast with your resident stoner here, where I talk about horror movies from a stoner's perspective, but we also break movies down in terms of subgenres. This month starts a new theme. We are doing horror musicals for this entire month of September, and we have such a great lineup, like I'm super excited. Not only do I have some very special guests, but I also am just very excited about all the movies that we're talking about this month. I'm a very musically driven person, like besides movies, I love music more than anything. Like, I mean, it literally like fuels me like throughout my day like there's not a time that I don't have music going at some point and a lot of the movies that I like have heavy music influences as well some of the movies that we're going to be talking about might not fit into the category of horror musical though most of them do really there's only a couple that I kind of cheated with but even then it'll make sense on why I chose that movie so um yeah I'm just very excited about uh, this month of Blood Blunt Cinema Club. So please, please, if you know someone that would enjoy this show, please suggest it to them. If you yourself are enjoying this show, please uh, like tweet about it. Use hashtag Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. Uh, tag the new Twitter account, the Bloody Blunt CC. That is the podcast and YouTube Twitter page, as well as on Instagram as well. So make sure you guys are spreading the good word, you know, take a hit of that spooky shit and pass it because that's manners, okay? But um, I am giving you guys some motivation, some incentives because I'm doing a scare package giveaway, which is going on right now. It started on Friday and it will be going on for the next um, two weeks, well, two weeks from Friday, so now it's got like 10 or 11 days left or whatever but go there because I'm giving away a scare package of all sorts of bloody blunt cinema club related goodies but it will also include a special edition screen factory blu-ray of 13 ghosts we just covered 13 ghosts last week on the podcast and had a absolute blast be sure to go listen to that episode but anyways you just need to find the instagram post 
or the Twitter post, which is pinned to the Blade Blunt Cinema Club Twitter page right now. It's the pinned tweet. And just go there and follow the link, and you will see all sorts of ways on how you can enter to win this scare package. You get multiple entries for more things that you do. Basically, just following Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, like anywhere that you can. But also, not included on that link, though, is if you write Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a five-star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever. If you write a review, don't just click the stars. I mean, I do appreciate you clicking the stars. Click all five stars. But then also, write a review. If you write a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll give you a bonus five entries into the giveaway. So please do that because I would really appreciate that so we can get more ears on this podcast. Now, before we get into the actual episode and bring our guest in, a couple more reminders is, guys, one, watch the movie beforehand before you listen to the episode because it is spoilers always and I sometimes forget to remind you guys that there will be spoilers. And also, because two... We don't always recap the movies, like, especially with this episode, we really just, like, kind of hop in and we ping around and stuff. We rarely ever, like, actually recap the movie, like, sometimes I'll give a quick synopsis at the beginning if I even remember, but sometimes we just kind of hop into it. Sometimes I have a guest on and we're just, like, super excited to, like, get into it, you know, so, and this is one of those episodes This is an older movie, not that spoilers are important, but they're there, and we also don't, like, really introduce, like, the premise of the movie. Um, I just kind of assume that everybody knows what Sweeney Todd is about, but in case you didn't know, it's about a guy who goes to prison for 15 years uh, under some false charges. The judge steals his wife, rapes his wife, steals his baby, and then um, Sweeney comes back to get revenge, and he kills a bunch of people. And him and Mrs. Lovett bake them into meat pies. There you go. There's a quick synopsis on Sweeney Todd because we don't really give one into the episode. Now, without further ado. So, September, we are dancing September, we're talking horror musicals here on the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, and I'm joined by my best friend, my partner in crime, couldn't get rid of him if I wanted to, He's uh, he knows too much, and he would have to be taken care of, um, I love this man so much, he hasn't been on sooner just because he's not really a horror guy, but this was finally the time to loop him in. Um, he is also an actor in his own rights as well. But specifically, he's a, a thespian a little bit, you know, so we will get that stage, we will get that stage, uh, you know, perspective. But introducing to Blade Blunt Cinema Club, Tyler Coleman. What's up, what's up? Good afternoon. Hey, baby. Or morning or night, whenever you, you crazy freaks are watching this shit, listening yeah. to this shit. Yeah, when are you? What do they do? What is, what is a, what is a podcast? <laughs> I still think that's fucking hilarious. I still think that I I shared that to Twitter like a couple of months ago. I still think that's hilarious. The, the 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 king of the king of bowling. <laughs> I made Tyler play of a, a, a Steve King, not Stephen King the author, Steve King, who was a uh, owned a bowling a bowling alley in New Jersey. 
It was such a it was such a random skit that we did for uh, for this other podcast that oh, it was a, 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 my first horror podcast that only uh, did like a couple episodes. But you know, but it was fun though. I like making you do like weird characters, obviously. You know, because you're an actor, you got to take advantage of your skill set. So, uh, Tyler, like I said, is he's not really a big horror guy. No. Like, he, we, we were going to do a horror podcast where it was, like, me trying to convince him why horror movies rule. I mean, I'll just still have you on the show more often. That's more or less what we're going to do right now. I mean, even though this one won't take much convincing. Yeah, nothing's really changed. I mean, you're still going to try to convince me of horror podcasts, even if it's, or not horror podcasts, but horror movies, even if it's like in the car, just over the phone. You're always going to do that. But if we get to broadcast it to the people, I, I suppose that's pretty good, too. Well, I mean, because, I mean, a lot of the ones that I have, like, because I think I, I, I have a good idea now of the horror that you do enjoy. Um, especially like whenever I've showed you like some of the weirder stuff, some of the artsier stuff, you do seem to like that, which is surprising. You don't like typical horror. I don't know. But you like, but you do enjoy the... And we can get into that later the, because like, I have stuff. a lot of things to say. Okay. Well, yeah, we will, we will definitely get into that. Um, but so for, for the people, like, what is your tiff with horror movies? Like, why, why don't they just, why don't they do it for you? Let me, let me tell you a story. <laughs> Oh yes, gather gather ye round. So whenever me and my sister were were children, um, for whatever reason, my parents did fall. There we go. Did fall in the category of the baby is the favorite. Um, so Casey's way of my sister Casey getting her way, or getting back at me for getting my way, was scaring me shitless as a child um, with stupid, stupid horror films. <laughs> um, and I think what turned me off the most is that I was just young enough to really believe in the fear. And that's why it always kind of just turned me off. And as over time, because um, like the first the first ever horror movie I like truly ever watched was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, that's a really it, good first it, horror movie. It genuinely, it is a good movie. It is a good horror movie. And I give it its, its proper respects in terms of the category that it falls into because it did scare me shitless. Um. Now that being said, as time progressed and as she continued to, they just kind of horror films just kind of fell into this category of Casey's trying to fuck with me. This movie's stupid. This movie's going to be stupid. Oh, really? That's how you die? Okay. Really? So it kind of just left bad taste in my mouth and left room for me to interpret it as super shit. Because, like as you said, I started to fall into the thespian yeah. lifestyle, <laughs> even though that's not really it. But as time grows on and as I grow more into my acting, I can respect it for those for those things as well, especially the acting, if it does have good acting. Yeah, that's the so I mean, I, that totally makes sense because the for most horror people, it is like they found themselves into the genre. It wasn't forced upon them. It was forced. So upon I think that's just yeah, it was just forced upon you and you just not given the choice versus like I said, a lot of people. They like, you know, discovered it like from watching behind the couch, having to sneak to watch it because it was like, you know, a rebellious thing that they were trying to do. Or they had like the cool babysitter uncle that was showing them the good horror movies. And that's what I had, you know, just a sister with a vindictive attitude. (laughs) Yeah. So like she was she was out for for blood and um, literally, literally. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, that totally makes sense. And then. But it's funny because, like, then 
you just kind of got to a point where you like made the generalization that, that they were gonna just, that they were just na- inherently going to be because that's always been the thing it's with like, you. And all right, like, let's just get through this exposition. Let's murder a couple of people. Where's the twist? Oh, he's back. Of course. Let's go. Out of ten, two. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's how it. That's how it went most of the time for me. I mean, because I think it what it was is you know you've also probably have just mainly been exposed to. Like, you know, the popular horror movies or like the mainstream horror movies. And that's, you know, where... Because when you get into your shit, you you go so, so deep. And it's like, what fucking movie are you talking about? Is this... Did somebody make this? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's what I'm always trying to convince people that do have that attitude. That are just like, when people say they don't make good horror movies anymore. All horror movies suck now. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you're just not watching the right ones. Like, that's all there is to it. Like, because we, especially now, I mean, it's like, it's kind of went up and down because there was, you know, first the main horror exposure you're getting to for the longest was just at the theaters. Mm -hmm. And we got to a point to, especially towards the end of the 2000s, getting into the 2010s, that's, that was kind of a low point for horror. I would, I would agree. It, like it, it, just, it, it seemed like like movies, horror movies were on repeat. You can you could ask most horror fans, and they would say the the two thousands in general one of the weaker uh, decades for horror. Like most horror fans would agree on that, especially towards the. But then it was like twenty twelve was whenever we started not only getting more mainstream horror that was really good, mm-hmm. but also that's when you know streaming started opening up the doors for independent films to get more eyes on them. You know, because, I mean, the independent horror scene has always been there. It was just always, you just had to wait until that movie went to DVD or catch it on cable or something. There wasn't streaming services dedicated to low-budget horror and stuff like that. The age of information. And, yeah, so it's like the streaming now, you know, opened that door. But now it's kind of to a point where there's too much streaming. And now, you know, things get lost in the shuffle, whether it be a good movie, a good TV show, like kind of gets lost in the shuffle because we have too many options now. Is that where you come in and you just, you guide the people? I mean, that's what I'm I like. I, I keep a compiled list of like all the movies that I've like covered on the podcast so far. Mm-hmm. And I definitely try to keep it like, like I'm not trying to cover the classic horrors that every other podcast is talking about. Or that people already know about. Like, that's just hearing the same shit. Like, how many podcasts have I listened to covering the Halloween movies or the Friday 13th movies? I probably will, I like, I mean, I'll do an episode on them in the future at some point, but they're not going to get, like, dedicated months like a lot of, like, other things will get just because, like, people talk about the Halloween movies for, like, a month straight. I mean, because there's like nine movies. Okay, that's so, fair. just yeah, by yeah, the yeah. format of the show, how I yeah. do dedicated months. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street will get its own month, because Nightmare on Elm Street is pretty good across the board, Cause and it really, it's a pretty it, tight series. And it touches on so many different sub-genres, uh, sub-genres that it is so enjoyable. Exactly. Yeah. But, like, I'm not, like, you've heard any opinion that you could hear on a Halloween or a Friday the 13th movie, because they're also not very deep. There's not much to it. So, what's... So I'm trying to, yeah, like I want to talk about films that like people do know about. Like most of the films on the list, horror films are very, or horror fans are very familiar with them, but maybe not the casual movie fan or someone trying to get into horror and being like, okay, I've seen the classics. Let me go to the next layer. I'm trying to provide that next layer. 
hurt. I think, I'm like, because, because, like, I mean, you look at the list, like, there's not too many like very like obscure films or anything on the list. Like, it, 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 like, they're not obscure, but they're not super well known either. They, 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 in that in between. So that's why I'm trying to stick it in. <laughs> I, I, I felt that as I was saying it, and then I was like, ah, it's as already as, coming as out. As long as you know. I was like, it's already coming. <laughs> like, well, I realized what I was about to say on the second word, but I was already in. <laughs> okay, that one I totally didn't realize. That one back I did not. Back. That one I did not realize. Oh, shit. <laughs> ah, well played. Well that was played. good. Also, um, I forgot at the top, you guys are probably hearing a lot of background Harley today. Uh, it's pretty hot. We're not sorry. And we we played, but this is what you this is what you really want. I'm always trying to get more of his audio in the podcast, but it like every time I put the mic in his face, he just like stops. He just stares at it. He does the same thing with, with those phones big, too. Beautiful eyes. He does the same thing when he knows you're taking pictures or video. He'll stop what he's doing. He'll be like, I I know what you're doing. He's like, I know what you want, and he'll just stop. I know, I know what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post. I'll post for you. That's fine. Like no, that's he's fine. so funny. Ah, love him so much. But anyways, so as we we're kind of talking about like, you know, your your version to horror, but now that, you know, you've kind of had a little change of thoughts here and there, you've gotten to see some different kinds of horror movies and just like, you know, as you understand the film industry now a little bit more as well. Yeah. You know, you you have a different view on things. So what are some horror movies that you like? Like maybe that I've shown you or that you have just seen on your own. Like, I what really are some? do feel like most of the horror films that I do end up watching are based upon your accord and you showing them to me um see this is this is how bad i am when it comes to the genre of horror like to me fucking uh, oh gosh like parasite would fall into a category of horror for me and like that's the kind, I, I can get down with like that suspenseful thriller portion of horror Right, like that. That's where oh, that yeah. falls, right? We, I did an entire episode on Parasite, there and, we go. and had many, and that was the basis of the episode. Like, what is horror? What's not horror? And it totally counts. And it's, it would be to, to gain my full enjoyment. It's, it's movies such as that, um, with real artistic vibes, beautiful colors, just anything that really just pops. Um, in terms of like technical aspects, but then like having a good story, having good acting, like that's what really draws me in, and that's why I think I enjoyed that movie so much. Because you had raved about it for months, and then I was just like, okay, I gotta fucking watch this. Yeah, um, I mean, because those are just things that people generally associate horror movies not having. Yeah, you know, most that it's people lack. people go into horror movies and they think like, oh, it's just yeah, we're going in for the blood, we're going in for the we're going in for that classic three but, act. Let's introduce them. Let's mm-hmm. put in the fucking scare, and then let's figure yeah. out a way out of it. The and, the, the formula, yeah. plug and play. And there's know? nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you can pull it off, there, there's a yeah. There there is a place for that. Like, mm-hmm. d- yeah. but where you can do that is if it is elevated by good acting, mm-hmm. good writing, good direction. But also on the flip side of that coin. I love the shitty, the shitty horror, like the absolute terrible acting slasher films, like <laughs> the, hey babe, let's go off into the tent and, you know, fuck, and they get murdered by the guy and we start off the murder. Because I feel like it's always either mm-hmm. the two that are off having sex or it's always uh, a person of color that gets it first. Person of color, if you do drugs, if you have sex. Anything. 
you're first. You're, you're dead. First. You're fucking dead, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I do get a kick out of that because then it's that other side of me, that actor side, that's just like I am gonna rate the shit out of this and I am gonna judge it for everything that it's not worth. Mm. And I do get like a subtle kick out of that. Even though at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I just probably wasted two hours of my life that I didn't need to do that for, but it was worth it to me. Yeah, and see, I'm, I'm like, I'm on the fence with those kind of movies because you know me, I'm just like, there's too many things to be watching, and like, why am I gonna waste my time like watching mm, something no. I know is garbage? Yeah, but I mean, there are there, but I do know the charm to certain it, trashy movies because it kisses into your your guilty pleasure. Your guilty pleasures of enjoying film and cinema. Yeah, but then I can find that in movies and still come up with reasons to be like, no, this is still actually a good movie because of this. You know, like, I don't like being like, you know, I know it's a bad movie, but I love it. Like, it's like, no, 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 I can tell you that this is a good movie. The Gemini Man is coming out. That glass is half full, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I know. (laughs) I'm a, because I mean... Isn't it funny? Like, I'm an optimist so much, but then you know me to, like, nitpick the shit out of something. Babe, you nitpick the shit out of me, like, all the time, and I and I thank you for it. I deserve it. I need it. I just try to get the best out of you. I, I love you. I love you. Wholesome. <laughs> Wholesome as fuck. Yeah, baby. Uh, I I had somewhere where I was going yes. with that. Oh, well, you enjoying the, the tropes and the formulas, you will definitely enjoy the... Um, obviously getting, once we start writing our, our thing, our thing, our thing, a thingy thing. We got things coming. (laughs) A thingy thing. We do have a thingy thing coming (laughs) and you should be on the lookout for the thingy thing. Yes. Yes. So excited. So let's go ahead and get into the movie that we're here to talk about. Let's fucking dive. Um, so September we're talking horror musicals and, uh, I couldn't think of the better way to kick it off. I'd say this is my favorite horror musical because, I mean, Tyler, how many times have we watched Sweeney Todd, do you think? I genuinely can't count, but I will say this. As I as we were watching earlier, I was just like, who did I watch this with? Was this my sister or was this Devon? Who did I see this with first? Because this seems to fall in the category of the thing that Casey and I do enjoy, which is the musical aspect of it, the, I think it, the sing-song. I think but it I'm was s- Casey, and then, but I think it was Casey, and then I was like, oh, I like Sweeney this Todd? a lot, because like I didn't, I wasn't big into musicals at the time. And you were like, oh, yeah, the music's fine, but like he like slashes people's throats, bro. Yeah, like oh. I was in it for that, and, okay. and I was in it because I'm a Tim Burton fanboy. Like, so I was in it for that aspect. Through and through, by the way. You, like... I mean... <laughs> half your wardrobe is a Tim Burton film. <laughs> I mean, I got Tim Burton all over my arm. Uh, by the way, at the time of recording this, it is his birthday. So, happy birthday, Timmy B. You deserve it, brother. I mean... Keep living. Like, really. Like, I can't tell you, like, like the, the influence, obviously, that Tim Burton has just, like, had on, you know, not only just my film taste, but just, like, me as a person in general. You know, kind of embracing the quirk and shit Mm -hmm. and just like rolling with like, yes, I'm a fucking weirdo, but like this is this This is is my this is me. And like and 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 finding the beauty like in in his like obviously like dark gothic way, like I've always saw his things and then just been like I've always just been enamored. Like I'm like, wow, like that's so oddly beautiful. Why do I think that's beautiful? You know, everyone else is like, that's creepy. That's fucked up. I'm like, but that's so beautiful. Like. And I think um, nobody has really done that like Tim Burton. I mean, he had. I mean, in the '90s especially, he had a fucking run. Yeah. From dude. the late or from the late '80s, fucking. I mean, he hit. It was fucking Beetlejuice. Fucking. It was Beetlejuice. Fucking. Um. Edward Scissorhands. Attack. Um. 
fucking attack on Mars. Fucking dude, his rap sheet is is off the. I fucking mean, he chain. just like he went off in the nineties. Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Ed Wood. Mm. I mean, and then uh, up to the fucking Sleepy Hollow. I mean, his his filmography in general is really solid. And his obsession with Johnny Depp is probably and his obsession with Johnny Depp and in those in those aspects. I bet that's why him and Helena Bonham Carter got divorced because she got jealous of Johnny. <laughs> I bet that's why. Oh yeah, is that she? She? I, I mean, do you think they've had a threesome? <laughs> I do not want to speak on the uh, on the sexual comings <laughs> and goings, if you will, of uh, Johnny Depp, Helena Gunner, Tim Burton. But yes, they've yes, do. they've done some drugs. Oh yes, and did and did the dirt and got Johnny, weird. Of course, Johnny Depp has done fucking drugs. He's like one of his best friends, quoted by him and other people, is Hunter S. Thompson, and that man was a notorious drug fiend. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's a reason Johnny was so convincing in Fear and Loathing. Fucking knocked but, it out of uh, ballpark, baby. But yeah, they're that they're fucking. It, 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 it's funny when a director. I lo- I like that a director has a male muse that he fully embraces. Like it's not like like. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Like most directors, a lot of directors, they have like obviously a favorite actress that they really like to work with. Yeah. You know, or vice versa. But like, I mean, Tim Burton is like, I love Johnny Depp, and he is perfect for everything. He is my soulmate, and we're all just like, yeah. I I think, not. I know this is out of the horror genre, but I think my favorite uh, version of that would probably be like PTA and like uh, Daniel Day Lewis or um, mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. His 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 love and um, his his <laughs> his work with with those two actors. Or 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 is it like I mean because the no the age difference isn't big enough to where it's like a father son relationship no because no, Johnny's the, Johnny's older too. Johnny Johnny's up there so oh. yeah it's not but um who's but yeah. to say you know who's to say yeah who I I, I love their I was watching like some BTS and uh, it was just like some press I watched some like press interviews and they they're real cute together and they fucking banter and Helena's just like. <sighs> Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe that is that is the reason. She's just like these two. I can't I can't compete with Johnny. I'm sorry, baby. I'm out. She's like these two, but uh, but yeah. The original point is watch this movie so many times. We we, we have to the point that we're having this kind of conversation. Yeah, roundabout. Back. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's I mean, what's not to love about it? Yeah, this has always been a this is a comfort film for me. Yeah, like this has always been a uh, a sick day movie for me. For some reason, when I'm sick, this makes me feel better. I think it's just the, the actual tone is like whenever you get to like embody that a little bit, or even like yeah. if you are a bit of a singer like you and me, oh, well, even yeah, though we're not proclaimed singers, but by we any but means, we get into it. We get into it. It just it really does kind of like change your mood around. I don't know if that's like dark and sadistic oh, or something, I, but no, like, totally oh, okay. Like uh, a movie featuring cannibalism, meat pies makes me feel better. But is it cannibalism you know? if you know about it though? Would you still consider it cannibalism? Would you, if you unknowingly yeah. consume, they're eating people. Yeah, I know, but like, doesn't matter if they know it or not. But what I'm asking is, would they, would you consider that person then from there on a cannibal? Unfortunately, yeah. Damn. It's kind of like if you if you piss on a playground, you're you're now a pedophile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just like, whoa, 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 sir. I was This was four in the morning. I was drunk. It was at night. There was no one around. I was in the bushes. <laughs> Doesn't matter, sir. 
but um but yeah it's it, it it is a very strange like very specific comfort and it because it plays into like because there is a feeling when you watch musicals and that's why i wanted to do this ep- this month on horror mm-hmm. musicals so uh maggie she was um she was watching fam of the opera and like posting to her instagram like as she was watching it you know yeah and like just like the like how much fun she was having and like how much fun I was having watching, watching it. Her. And it's like and it is that like that like that mood you are because I everybody doesn't love musicals. No. You know, a lot of people are not are not really into musicals, which you're still in luck for this month of the podcast because like half the movies we're talking about aren't like technical musicals, but they kinda are. And we'll get more into that later. But um but she she was describing the moment and feeling that she has when um when you know the the fucking synth chords kick in of Phantom of the Opera you know yeah. the synth chords and fucking the and like the she was just like describing the whole thing and like that euphoric feeling you have when you're watching a musical and like when it's your that song you fucking love and that one and you're like ah shit like and like. My comparison is um, a scene in Nightmare Before Christmas, which I'll talk about that more in that episode. But like, but like the fucking scene at the be- like at the beginning when they're singing "This Is Halloween," you know, mm-hmm. and we're meeting all the fucking you know people of the town, you know, and then you're like, "But where's Jack? Where's the skeleton dude? When do we get to meet Jack?" And it's like the whole song is hyping him up, you know. Yeah. And then fucking, they're just hyping his ass up, and then the way he just fucking raises up out of the fountain and puts his arms out, and he's just like, I'm here, and everybody's just like, oh, like jizzing their pants. Like, and that's whenever in the song, that's whenever they, uh, the town people start chanting, they're like, they uh, listen now to the pumpkin song, and then it just hits a key change, and it's like, la, la. And it's like that's that's me fist pumping at the beginning of Nightmare Before Christmas, like fucking All right, yes, Jen. let's go. <laughs> so like that was like her moment for Fam of the Opera. So like, what's your moment for that? Before we get into, I'll give you guys the rundown of Sweeney Todd. Actually, no, we're gonna save that. We're gonna we'll save that. that. Okay, you got put it. a put a bookmark here because I, I I got a couple. There's, put a put I'm a bookmark right here. Way. You got it. But that's the whole reason I'm doing horror musical months. I had a whole different plan for for September, and then I changed it because I was like, no, I want to do horror music. I think you changed now. it for the better, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, we're gonna do this. So let's go ahead and get into the actual movie. <laughs> Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barbara Fleet Street, released in 2007, directed by Timothy Burton, uh, based on a screenplay written by John Logan that he adapted from the play Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barbara Fleet Street, originally by Stephen Sondheim and Hugh Wheeler. Starring Johnny Depp, Helena Baum Carter, Alan Rickman, Timothy Spall, and a nice slick cameo by Sasha Baron Cohen. So... This movie, it fucking slaps, obviously. Let's go ahead and put it through the genre meat grinder for this episode. The The genre grinder is a mainstay, but we're going to make it extra meaty and juicy <laughs> with this movie. Much like the meat pies. 
the genre grinder is our segment here on Boy Blood Cinema Club where we break the movie down into its subgenres and talk about why those subgenres make the movie work the way it does. So obviously, we're in horror musical month. That's the overarching here thing. So let's go ahead and break that down a little bit further. We have elements of gothic horror here. We have um, elements of slasher horror in it. There's definitely just lots of blood and gore. We have some sprinkles, a dark comedy in here. Oh, for sure. And then, I mean, and it's not a genre, but it kind of is like just like Tim Burton's style in general has become just... It, it's it's its own it's it's, it's like own it's thing. like saying wes anderson it's like yeah like because anytime you see something that is tim burton-esque mm-hmm. that's what you say you, you see something you go oh that looks like some tim burton, burton would, would do, do yeah. that looks straight out of a tim burton movie like it is one of those very specific aesthetics so i mean is it a subgenre? no but i mean this has the tim burtonisms written all over it you know, from from because he does take a lot of inspiration from gothic horror and stuff. And uh, but yeah. So what elements of uh, some of these subgenres like really work for you? Well, naturally, just coming off the the actor train, the musical has always the, the musical aspect, excuse me, has always been the, the driving force for this movie for me to actually sit there, enjoy it to its full extent, because like you were saying earlier, it it is this dark <laughs> dark place of a movie absolutely i mean a man on a mission of vengeance not able to take in the world around him because he is just so driven on that one thing that he must do you know it, it, it goes there it goes to that dark spot but there's something warming about about going through the adventure and through the journey with these characters diving into the story that really brings it home which is the part that i like is because there is such a good story to tell even though it's a bit outlandish and ridiculous which gets me back to the this is a fucking horror movie but um i would say i like how tim burton fucking goes there because he could have played this safe he could have played this the pg-13 mm-hmm. what is this actually rated is it coming it out is p- rated r it is rated r oh, he yeah. could have he could have taken the safe route to get more people in on it mm-hmm. but he fucking went ham mm-hmm. and fucking gore galore i love the jackson pollock paint blood splatter everywhere i love the fact that he went there with it and i don't actually enjoy that too much in movies and i think the combination of both just kind of adds to that that heightened mm-hmm. <laughs> that heightened ridiculousness of it which makes me enjoy it even more is because yes this is outlandish out you know a little outright and ridiculous I, and i think that's something that i i can enjoy in this movie without without bashing it at all because it's mm-hmm. one it's with people with actors that i i somewhat idolize i look up to i mean dude just following depp and his 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 whole portfolio mm-hmm. is i mean he's just an actor to be sought after he's an all-timer all-timer i'll say it he's an all-timer some people might not agree but giant depth's an all-timer would you say he's the goat Mm-mm. Mm-mm. goat for character actors no no really still no still but no. but giant depp is he's like he deserves to be in the all-time conversation more than okay. i think he is more deserves more, more than, than I think he is. Okay. Like some people will bring him up, but like he's not a mainstay in the conversation, like a Bale or a Pitt or or um, you know, or if you want to talk character actors like a Gary Oldman, uh, you know, people of that nature. Mm, okay, you know, he's he's not, but it, but because he, he Johnny Depp has had such a very, he's had a pretty niche 
career for the most part. Like, he hasn't always been in the darker stuff, but for the most, most part, part, yeah, he's been the dark, serious stuff, even though he has one of his Oscar nominations is for playing a bumbling pirate. That's range, people. I'm that ju- is I'm, range. And that's and that's the point I'm trying to drive home, is that he is just something that is is great for young actors such as myself to, to really look at their, their work and use it you know use that as inspiration or use that you know in their in their own work on a day-to-day basis and it's it's those things that draw me to this movie because it's the other horror films that i don't know those actors i don't you know i don't have that it's it's something that i can't really attach myself Mm to wholeheartedly like yourself like you you always can find something again that glass half full kind of a person Mm -hmm. man i'm really making myself out to sound like a shitty person (laughs) (laughs) but um it's those contributing factors for sure that help keep me to this movie. Mm-hmm. And and the fuck it's fucking Sondheim, man. I mean, fuck on. He's a leg. He's Sondheim. a legend where we're from. He's he's like a ballpark fucking yeah. <laughs> Babe Ruth looking motherfucker. He's like, watch me hit this, bam. Yeah. So so to counter a lot of your points, that just brings me into like you know the background and like the adaptation aspect of it and what I find really interesting about this like i mean obviously i come to this movie i'm in it for tim burton i'm in it for the darkness i'm in it for the blood like of course i'm in for that stuff but what i appreciated and obviously i didn't appreciate this until i saw uh msu did a production it was before you it was the year before me and i'm I'm still bummed out because you talk so highly of it and it was a like really great production like they did a really good job and then being able to, because like I only knew Sweeney Todd in this form, mm-hmm, yeah. you know. So, oh, here, Bubba, here, come back. I was like trying to give him a treat, and they didn't take it, and I pulled away, and they got sad. Here, come on. Okay, or not? He's not in it yet. He'll get there. But um, but yeah. So like, once I did get to actually see it in its stage form, then I had the full appreciation of wh- how Tim Burton pulled this thing off. Like, because obviously. They could have did it like more the way that Disney adapts their musicals, oh, just literally just taking it and putting it onto the screen, the exact same shit. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't making a stage experience like in film form. He was making a movie off of a story that he loved because that's the whole thing here. Like Tim Burton just really loved the story behind this show. And he and like, um, I mean, I don't know if he always was going to do it as a musical. I assume he was just because he like respected Sondheim so much. And so and that's w- the only reason that Stephen Sondheim signed off on this film was because he understood that like Tim Burton was like, look, I'm not trying to take this stage production and put it on the screen. I'm going to make a theater, uh, a cinematic experience out of your story. And, and I really think he nailed it. And that's when, and that's why Sondheim, In his own rights. yeah, and yeah. He, he, I think he totally nailed that aspect. He wasn't trying to do something that you know he wasn't trying to do. Like he knew what his intentions, and that's how you should adapt anything. I think you know whether like so. That's why I wish like people did take more liberties when they adapted things because it's like if you are gonna adapt something like. You don't have to do it like by the fine details to still respect it, you know. Yeah. Tim Burton obviously respects the show. This and he, I mean, he didn't really have to do too much. It's just it is a really long show that he had to trim down. Yes, it is. So he had to cut down. He had to cut out some side, some side stories and things like that. Like mainly the uh, story between Joanna and Anthony, 
there's like more of that and like more of the like her and Judge Turpin like that weird relationship. There's a lot more of that. So I think Tim Burton did pick the right things My to keep Lord. out. I think he did uh, pick the right things to keep out and to still pace the film out a lot and focus the film on Sweeney Todd rather than yeah. like everything else that was going on. So I do really uh, shout out to John Logan as well for adapting um, the the screenplay yeah. or adapting it into screenplay form. He did a really fantastic job on that. Um off the top as well, this movie did get some awards love, which is yes, uh, nice. I did not realize it because, like, around when this movie came out, that was middle school, so I wasn't watching the Oscar stuff as much and things like that. But it, um, Johnny Dip, di- <laughs> Johnny Dip, <laughs> Johnny Depp did take home the Golden Globe for yes, this. Did. I did not know he was nominated for an Oscar for it. I thought he I thought he he got one of those weird situations where he like didn't get the Oscar nom for some reason. Um so Johnny Depp has 3 Oscar noms. Can you name all 3 of them? Um, I mean, I've already named one of them. Yes, it would be the the Pirates. It would be this and What's the third? I don't think you won't get it, I don't think. Is it super obscure? I don't It's not obscure, but it's definitely like not a movie people talk about anymore. It's not a movie uh it's not Gilbert, is it? No. No. That was just DiCaprio. Yeah, Leo did. Um, it, it isn't that early on in his career, is it? Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland? Finding Neverland. D, I'm going to be honest. I can't even name his character. He <laughs> play, it, it's a, He plays the guy that wrote Peter Pan. He plays the guy that wrote Peter Pan. Yes. The movie is about the author and the kids and his relationship with the kids that inspired him to write peter pan freddie highmore plays one of the kids when freddie highmore was like super little little, yeah okay i would have never never in my life when's the last time you heard somebody say you want to watch finding neverland Neverland. what year was that uh it was like 2011 or some shit what was the competition that year oh i don't know i I don't want to do all that research right now but um but just johnny depp has had such an odd career very just to circle that back around but um, but he did get an Oscar nom. They also got an Oscar nominations for costume design and art direction, and taking home the award for art direction, which rightfully so, they definitely deserved it. They deserve so much more, though. I mean, because like, because that is one thing I'm that biased. makes this film like stick out like big time is like these lavish, lush sets. But then they fucking take it down into the gothic fucking shit. But you can still appreciate like these people's costumes and like everything and like it is still beautiful but in fucking disgusting <laughs> london and blood soaked <laughs> fucking blood soaked streets filled with shit filled with rats you know it's 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 a grimy film but it's still gorgeous you know like it it really is so they they definitely um deserve that award there so we you know talk speaking of gorgeous and grimy Gorgeous. Here we go. <laughs> Speaking of gorgeous and grimy, we got uh, Tim Burton's wife, Helen, well, ex-wife now, Helena Bonham Carter. Yes, sir. Um, playing Mrs. Lovett here. I've always had a crush on Mrs. Lovett specifically. I mean, Helena Bonham Carter is a gorgeous. Lady. I was gonna say, in in like for <laughs> for actresses and uh, and actual characters that you've shown uh, 
just an admiration for. I'd say top three next to like Anna Kendrick and shit like that. You've always just kind of <laughs> praised those two for some reason, and I don't know why. I mean, I do know why, but yeah, there's you just have a profound love for I mean, I do love Anna these Kendrick. two individuals. It's funny, like, Britt knows, like, all my, like, celebrity gals. Like, every time we're, like, watching something, like, Charlize Theron pops up. She's like, hey, look, it's your gal. It's your girl. I'm like, yeah, you know it. But specifically, Helena Baum Carter Carter as as Mrs. Mrs. Lovett. I mean, because, like, she's also, like, hot as, like, Marla. Like, she's good at just being the hot mess. But, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, this fucking, she looks like a vampire. Her fucking, but her eyeshadow's on point. And titties are out. Like, I mean, Mrs. Lovett can get it. Sweeney, this whole movie, I mean, like, even if you're going to just use her for fucking making your, getting rid of the bodies, like, I mean, come on. Like, come on. I kind of wish there was a sex scene in this movie. A like a bit? very awkward sex scene. Like a, Oh. <laughs> like, she's going to town and he's just sitting there. And she's like, oh, Mr. Ta, Oh, Mr. Ta. And he's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like i wanted to get to this point later but, no, no. but i mean no, we've we've already crossed this bridge but i like I, I i as me being older now i wanted it i i <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's this still, movie is a lot hornier than i remember it's well, only in it, certain aspects. so so subtly it's so subtly horny let's go with that <laughs> it's subtly horny <laughs> but in like some of the grossest ways possible especially from judge tobin like i mean oh i'm not even thinking well that's just gross yeah i know that's what I'm that's like, not what aspects are we talking that's not about? even like the well i mean i mean well i mean technically she's not his daughter technically so i mean really that's not that weird, weird. actually now that i think about it it's but, not his daughter it's just the fact that i mean how old is she in the movie he said, 50, how long have you been away? 15 years? years. He was, okay, so yeah. the fact she's 15, 15, that's gross. But it's not his daughter, though. I'm not going to justify this, but in today's standards, uh, uh, yeah, yes. But okay, it was like it was like the 1600s. Well, it wasn't the 1600s. It hey, was more like the 1700s. We're here to get weird, okay? That's, I mean, I thought that's where we were going. All right. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, like, my friends is so, like, sexual- that that's like a couple of blades yeah like he is getting off on these blades and she's like getting off on him getting off on these blades like and she's just like i mean she's just met this dude i mean she's just like but hang on i want to bring that point up did she just meet him or was she the old tenant she said later on at the end i always had a fondness for you i did so she did know him she from before. It. I think she was the landlord downstairs. I mean, she might have been, but it's not, it wasn't really necessarily brought up before. It wasn't. And it's just like, why don't I think? But I think it drives home whenever he's just like, why don't you rent the room upstairs? And she goes, oh, I won't go near it. Which is also BS because she knows exactly where the fucking where the where the fucking silver things are. So yeah. she, so she does. She has gone near it. She does know what's up. Okay. She but totally, they just never. And I think that's what kind of drove home for her not telling uh not telling Sweeney about about his wife. It's just like she's gone. Literally and like her mind and her, mm-hmm. she's gone. This is my time to shine. I'm gonna get Sweeney. I'm I mean yeah. Miss Mrs. Lovett is 
very tragic. She's very sad. Like she's just very sad. Even though I do think she, she might have killed her husband. She just wants love. She wants better love than her last husband. I think she killed her last husband. But I mean, Carol Baskin. She Carol Baskin. She Carol Baskin. Check the did. septic. Holy shit! Holy shit! Tim Burton Carol Baskin is faces <laughs> love. <laughs> Man. Weird pop culture math there. You're welcome. But um, but yeah. And she, I mean, the thirst is just there, though, from my friends. I mean, she is just like... And back to the whole subtle thing. It's very subtle, which is why he... I don't think he ever... He never catches on to it. I mean, Not is, is it he's never catching on, or he just has one primary focus and vision is his revenge? Well, can it be, why can't it be both? He's so focused on that primary... He's hell-bent on revenge that he just does not see any of the clues. Because even you you were yourself, you were saying all of Friends, she's like up in his business saying, hey, 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 She's hey. literally, like, she's literally trying to butt in the song, but then also trying to butt into him, which is the, the, the music works so well because it does, like, actually tell the story, yeah. and, like, they do really cool things, I noticed, with like the deliveries like during duets that like kind of show different aspects of the relationship between those characters. Mm -hmm. I noticed that in pretty women, like, you know, the way that they kind of have, um, they like trade these like dynamics within the song as well. Like switching back and forth between the melody and the harmonies, you know? So good. Like, so the, the music itself also is just like, it's not just like great just because like it's a musical, but like the music itself, it's really good. It helps tell the story. I'd say about what would you say the percentage of this movie is music? I think like in an interview, Tim said like seventy percent. I was gonna say not not above three quarters, but he just said, right I think about he said there. about I think he said like sixty five or seventy percent somewhere right which there. Which is I mean it's pretty good. that's good. I mean it is it. This is mainly song, yeah. and I love that. Speaking of which, I mean like one, I mean. This isn't the, like, Goosebumps euphoric moment, but, I mean, I do just love every time the opening title kicks in. Dude, it's awesome. I was... I mean, and and I love the way that they, the way that they like reuse the the themes as well, in different ways. You know, like how the the title theme comes back in in different ways, like towards the end, how they parallel, you know, um, um, like the the Pirelli song with the Mrs. Lovett's Pie song. Yes paralleling the relationship Chip. that he has with those characters and how he can use his abilities there for the businesses as well um no one's gonna no one's gonna harm you that gets used twice within a span of like 15 minutes yeah no but the definitely i mean the music the is overture just... really sets the the overall epicness of the story yeah and them title cards too are pretty sweet yeah like the 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 animated blood just like working its way through london and shit and just it's, it's, it's really crazy. symbolizes how fucking dark the city is. What does it mean, though? <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think it means? <laughs> but it does. For real, yeah. Uh, I so mean, many creds do. Yeah, man. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, fuck them up, Sondheim. Like, uh, 
It is so good. For those of you who aren't like theater versed and stuff, uh, Stephen Sondheim is mainly known for Into the Woods and West Side Story. Are those uh, his other, two biggies? Those are his two biggies. Besides this one, I mean, but I mean, like you said, he's he basically is musical theater. <laughs> for a lot of people, yes, absolutely. A lot of old school theater. Like, I mean, I remember when I got to work with uh, Robert Westenberg. I mean, he was the original Prince in Into the Woods on Broadway. So Homeboy got to work with Sondheim. Like Homeboy came to came to MSU and did fucking um, like workshops and like so many people got to got to work with such such greatness greatness in terms of the industry greatness mm-hmm. in terms of the work he put in and the work he has gotten to share and pass on to others I pl- I applaud him I applaud him on a lot of aspects yeah and that's why it was obviously like such a big deal for Tim Burton to get his blessings oh you absolutely know? apparently he like Tim Burton brought it up in like the late 80s he like saw i think it was like it said like 87 was like when tim burton like went and saw a version and then he like met sondheim and like mentioned like hey i want to adapt this and but then it never went anywhere long years 20 years (laughs) 20 years that he fucking took to actually do it because then like tim burton obviously around that time was when on he started just going Take on a run off, yeah. and he was taken off yeah so he kind of you know just shelled the idea i guess for a little bit but i think that obviously worked out in his favor cuz he was able to do it 20 years later he already had his reputation he got the time to do it right he had the time um they trusted him with the money to fucking make this what do you think the budget was on this 08 07 08 07 under 50 mil. At 50 mil. Really? But okay. 50 mil for this. a horror, a rated R horror musical. What do what do they usually, what do horror films usually I mean, set at? I mean, it's, it's completely different now. I mean, now a big budget horror film is like 10 mil. That's like considered like big budget horror films now. Because like a lot of people are able to do a lot more with little these days. Mm-hmm. But, again, just for a a studio to give that much money for something, like I said, rated R, a very niche fucking story, you know, horror musical genre, like, I mean, that they, like... The, what did Tim Burton have to say to convince these folks besides saying, I'm Tim Burton? That's that's it. He, he was Tim Burton, he had Sondheim's Blessing, and he had just made uh, all the money off of his... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What did it net? What did it get back? This uh, made 153. So I mean, it. You're welcome, it, studio. That I mean, it, that's not much profit because that's. I mean, still though. But um, you're still. You're I mean, still it's, coming it's, back it's about double. a it's about a 50 million dollar profit because you got to think you're trying to make back with uh also marketing and well, stuff. Exactly, but they're still making back what but they this, put in. But this did make money, and like that was a shocker too. The fact that you know, and this, I think now. Even it's kind of like one of those movies that is the the slow burn in terms of culture. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it more now than when it was first released. Oh yeah, it's definitely people have appreciated it a lot more, and like that's like why I didn't remember it like actually getting some awards love and like things like that because I just didn't remember a lot of people. And we just assumed you know? the the generalization with most horror films they didn't get shit. And then we also just like kind of assumed like oh we only know about this because like you know we had 
you know, theater ties and shit like that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, people definitely do appreciate it like a lot more now, especially just like the, the production that went into it, you know, like all the sets that they build, um, all the, the special effects with the blood and everything. Such a huge respect. So that was, for an, that. that was another thing. Like you said, you, you were happy that like Tim went for, and he said like when he pitched it to the studios, like, he said he went into a studio with like thinking that they were gonna like turn him down. He's like, I'm doing this I'm rated go, R. I'm going balls just he's to like, see if they'll give it to me. Yeah. Well, he was just like, well, what he told him was he was like, he's like, I knew he he thought the blood was gonna be the breaking point. He was like, really? He's like, he's like, okay. He's like, I got sometimes blessing. Like he's like, but here's the thing. Like, I'm scared they're not gonna let me do it rated R with the amount of blood and gore that I need because it is important to the. So he was like. He said that was like one point he like made when he was doing the pitch. He was like, "The I, I need the blood. Like it's not just there to be because like, I don't think it, thing. It, I don't it's, think it would have worked. It's integral for the tone and the look and mm. everything. Just like yeah, it was very much necessary. And like so, like a fun fact behind it was, every every effect shot that they like did with the kills used a minimum of a gallon of fake blood. Which is funny because the human body only has eight pints. It's, yeah, it's not even. <laughs> so, that's not even close. <laughs> but that's just the absurd amount of blood that they were using. But like using it, they were saying like, you know, pushing it to the fantastical level. That's almost there. Like, you know, similar to like the way that Tarantino uses his blood in films. But like t- even a step further and like and they said there's a very specific reason they like made the blood look the way it looked. They're like we don't want it to look realistic. Like we want it to have this distinct color pigment to it and like weird, like look and texture to it oh, because like, cause that, that fits what we're trying to pull off. And just, could, it you just ima- works. could you imagine if it was more of like a, um, that Gothic vibe, but met like a game of Thrones r- realism in terms of like, uh, yeah, I, I, I would not want like, the actual shitty oh rundown my. London. I I really like, think that that. Oh my gosh! I, yeah, I, imagine this, the movie in that tone. I think that's what brings the levity to this movie. Absolutely. Uh, like, of because I mean, it's a dark story. It's a visually dark movie. Er, like, but it, it, there's enough but the, there for you to relax and enjoy. Like, I love movie. I mean, you know me. I love black and white. That's my shit. It's, yes. I love. <laughs> And I love movies like this that are like so close to being monochrome, <laughs> like and so desaturated yeah. to the point, but it is still technically in color. And like obviously we get like scenes of full color, and like towards the end it gets a lot warmer when all the truth starts coming out. Did you notice that? Yes. When all the truth, when Sweeney Todd learns all the information at the end, the whole like last ten minutes of the film have that warm glow to it. It because it's just. It's coming back. It's coming back from full it's circle. He's, he's exiting yes. that phasey or that um, hazy fog, and he's leaving the world of vengeance behind. And that's so fucking cool. I mean, that's just the talent. And and that's just see, the and like behind it. And like that's when you know, like I, I love me, and like that's why I like black and white because I think like like if you're not doing something meaningful with the color, get rid of it. I don't care for it. Like if you if there if there's not something thematic to attach to it or a certain color theory working with it, I don't need it. And that's like 
why I do so much in black and white. If it's like, if I'm not going to use the color in a creative way, fuck it. Get rid of it. Add a layer of drama and then get like, you know, different textures like that. Like, I think you get a different visual texture, you know? Yes, absolutely. And uh, this movie is like, I enjoy movies like this, though, too, that like have like monochrome like aesthetics to it. Like um, when's the last time you've watched uh, an underworld movie? An underworld movie? Yeah. Like the movie. With Kate Beckinsale and, you know, vampires and shit. Never. Oh, I thought maybe you had seen it. It was like a popular action movie, so I thought maybe you Just to reestablish it. the point that you brought up in the beginning. Do you know who I am? But it, that's not even like, I mean, it is horror, but anyways. Thank you. But, it, like, that's a movie. It has this, like, everything looks blue. Oh, okay. An example mm. that you would know. The Matrix. Yes. I love how The Matrix is, like, almost like this, like, monochrome, like, green-yellow the entire, entire movie time, yeah. for most of it. It's not, but it's close. It's, but just, it, just it Matrix gives one, the though. Yeah, it gives that, it still gives the same effect as it, a black and white movie does to me. So that's why I love this movie in the way that you only get the red for color, except for the by-the-sea scene where we get full color of this potential wonderful life that they could possibly have mm-hmm. which is also works really well in yes. the film it's like jarring but on purpose and it really fits they still got him in his pinstripe get up and all his his black moodiness he's on his black moodiness i love that scene too because helena bomb carter gets to wear like fun costumes because oh, yeah. like she wears the same like outfit the entire, entire movie yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean both of them do really because you know <laughs> london and do you so take this wife <laughs> and um but but yeah like i just the the look the the sets like it's all just very crucial to the film as a whole also crucial to the film is alan rickman rest in peace gotta gotta give uh alan rickman a shout out odd ways man he's so good <laughs> he's so I, I can't see i'm gonna try to gather up for my impression but then i'm not gonna be able to stop laughing <laughs> I I I don't even I don't even have a sir. You gander. Yeah, so no you... running in my holes, Harry. <laughs> oh man! But he's... I mean, Alan Rickman. He just like I mean, I really like rewatching. Just like I was like, man, he is so good in this. Like I mean, everybody. This cast in general, like the ensemble, is really good. Yeah. Like, but like I mean, Alan Rickman. He really does just like bring it. Like he's having. He's having some fun with this character that is just obviously just disgusting, you know. But at the very, same time, like he has, so. he has a weird swag about him. He don't give a shit. But he's got a in almost everything he's done. He's he's got he's got that that swag. It I mean, just he depends does. on how he. But this puts one in specifically, though. Oh, he, yeah. I mean, in terms of playing a ruthless, lying judge that steals kids and wants to marry them but still bringing swag to that and i think that just <laughs> you know? goes back to like uh, as a testament to um to to the way that the story is being told this yeah, this Alan- this fantasy if you will i mean the same thing for what you said harry potter no, no yeah. running in my heart and and alan rickman has a theatrical background as well oh absolutely like yeah. so he was able to bring that but i mean just like his his lines and line deliveries <laughs> are just too good. I mean, just too good. I mean, we get glimpses of Judge Turpin, but it's when Antony meets him. Oh my gosh! Is when we get get 
Judge Turpin and Alan Rickman at his finest right here. You gandered at my ward, Joanna. You gandered at her. Yes, sir, you gandered. I meant no harm. You fucking gander. <laughs> like, that would have... <laughs> if he threw one more in there with a fucking... <laughs> You fucking gandered. <laughs> yes, you gandered. But it's just so good. Like, ah, I love he, him so much. He just brings the heat in that, in that again, uh, being subtle in a way. But it, there's just so much intensity um, mm-hmm. at how relaxed it is. Um, just based upon his, his position of power, man. Uh, and really, uh, along with Beetle. Um, along with uh, Timmy, uh, he fucking just I re- scary. Oh yeah, when no. they beat his ass behind the house, he's just like the market's in the lead, and all bam, just whacks him with his fucking cane. Well, yeah, they have oh the oh my god, they have the duality between them. Oh my you know, god, they're yes. a, they're a great uh, villain pair for sure. They work really well as a villain pair, as you know, Beetle is this hype man, literally names Beetle, because isn't that what they used to call him? The the town criers they would like kind of call them beetles right or something. Uh, that's a history lesson for you I, to teach me sometime. I don't know, but <laughs> um, but yeah, they they work really well together and like that that quiet intensity is like that. I always tell like people like that's like the scariest shit. Like I was telling, <laughs> I was oh sh- mm. what I actually can't tell. I mean, I guess no, nah, I can't tell this. We'll talk more about it afterwards, but I'll be vague for now. But I was telling her about a thing how i would react to a situation <laughs> i was telling brit how i would react to a situation i go i go this is i go i go you if you really want to scare a motherfucker like if you're like a sincere like not fighter and you want to scare someone off but you can act a little bit you fucking like this would be perfect for you i've told you this you get just like so close to somebody and then you get so fucking calm and quiet but you say the most outrageous shit in this tone. Like, you will make somebody shit their pants. Nobody would ever fuck with you. You, Like, I'm straight up, you just walk up to somebody and you go, hey, hey, look look here. I will take a crowbar and I will smash your windshield, your rear view windows, I will slash your tires, and then I will come inside with that same crowbar. Is that understood? like that just like that <laughs> you wouldn't fuck with me right i mean because it's me and it's because it's you i'd probably just start laughing and be like go for it but <laughs> just telling you i like, mean it's it's the idea of out crazy crazy exactly right? somebody, yes somebody coming at you on the sidewalk or you know um for a couple of my buddies out in new york uh, who are who have expressed to me early on whenever they first moved there, they're like, yo, the subway is fucking creepy as fuck. I'm like, dude, all you gotta fucking do is out crazy the crazy. They're like, what does that fucking mean? I'm like, pretend to brush your teeth for five minutes. <laughs> Just sit there brushing your teeth. Nobody's gonna fuck with you. And there's no toothbrush. I'm not asking you to actually brush your teeth on the subway. Just look like you're doing it. And then get up, walk over to the corner, and maybe, you know, Take a shit. Not like a real shit. Just pretend like you're doing your whole morning routine. Nobody's going to say a fucking word. And if anybody does say a fucking word, you just stare at them for 30 seconds. And then you go right back to doing what you were doing. And nobody 
And I mean, no one will say a fucking thing. <laughs> you want an empty train car? Wait till the next stop. Nobody's going to be on that train anymore. You'll have the whole place to your fucking self. Act <laughs> I've never thought of that, but that's that's so ridiculous. What was... <laughs> Just sitting there... <laughs> Or you could pull that the the maneuver that that one homeless dude did on our last subway trip that you and I were on, not New York in L.A. What just start jerking line. off? Just start jerking off. No, I mean that'd be kind of weird if you were like really jerking off. Like it was a train full of like babies and shit. Like maybe you shouldn't be that weirdo. But like, fake it. There's a there's a scene in uh in uh the TV show Blue Mountain State. <laughs> Have you seen Blue Mountain State, right? I've seen, I've seen some of it, yes. Um, where fucking uh, the mascot dude, uh, I forget his name, but he's he's uh, in a fucking like some like restaurant or cafe or something, and this big guy like wants to fight him, and he's like fucking like all up in his face, and everybody's gathered around like waiting for him to fight, and he just like he like fucking just like doesn't he's like not scared, he just like kind of cocks his head for a sec, he stands up, and he goes, and the guy's like I'm gonna kick your ass, blah blah blah, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to jerk your dick off. <laughs> and he goes, what? He goes, pull down your pants right now, and I'm going to jerk your fucking dick off. And he's just like, wait, sh- what? no, I'm going to fucking kick your ass. No, we're not no. fucking fighting. I'm going to jerk your fucking, fucking dick, dick off. off. And he just keeps saying it, and the guy's just like, dude, shut the fuck up. Stop saying that. <laughs> and everybody's just like, and he's like, he's like, I'm going to jerk your dick off of all these people and make you come all over my face. He's <laughs> just like, What? <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's how you get out of a fight. That's how, yeah. <laughs> that's how you get out of a fight. But anyways. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Yes, sir. <laughs> We're, like, I mean, piggyback off a of quiet intensity, though. Because, like, I love Sweeney Swagger in this movie, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's about one thing. Revenge. That's what he's here for. He's a He ain't about fucking getting caught up in no fucking pussy. He ain't trying to fucking, uh, he ain't even charging people for his fucking shaves. He's not trying to make money. He's about revenge. He's not a man of many words. He's about that action. Okay. (laughs) And fucking, when he's fucking, but then when he fucking does, like, the one scene that he, like, really does, like, show, like, a little personality is the fucking, the, the Pirelli scene. Oh, yeah. The, like, so, like, first enters Sasha Baron Cohen. I mean, talk about how to make an impact on a movie in two scenes. He has two scenes this entire movie. Oh, yeah. He has two scenes. And he fucking knocks both of them out of the fucking park. I mean, just like, I mean, so good. But fucking Sweeney just fucking rolls up. Straight ass challenges. Calls his ass out. Fucking nut up or shut up, baby. (laughs) Literally. And he just, he stood there for a moment. He's like, you know what? I I am going to nut up. Well, first he talks shit during a song. He chimes into a song. You roll up to a motherfucker and you start singing in their, their song? song. It's what? like walking up on a bitch during karaoke and then tr- and then almost playing it off like you're not straight n- up. <laughs> I've had fucking people. You know I've had people do that, but I had somebody do that just so I got so mad one time. You should have fucking just you were like you, you want to be a part of this? Let's just karaoke. Off, but that's bro. what he did. Next time that's what we're going to do. Sweeney don't give a fuck. No, he doesn't. He don't give a fuck. Because he knows. He knows down. He's got this. And that too. Like, I mean, like, the fact that, I mean, he doesn't care about, like, you know, he's just wanting revenge. This is just to show off. Like, I mean, that scene has no impact on Sweeney, on his storyline. 
it just gives us an excuse until, for him. Not until later. It gives us an excuse for him to kill somebody no, eventually because yeah. he's his first victim, you know. But the scene really just exists for, you know, show a little personality Sweeney. He fucking shows off that he, like, still fucking got it. Like, but also, if if he didn't go out there, and if he didn't, like, do you think he would have killed Topin, uh, Turpin the way that he killed Turpin? Do you think he would have slit, slit um, Pirelli's throat with a with his blade? Do you think any of that? Do you think that he would have been like, you know I mean, what, this is the way that we're going to fucking do this. This y- is how we're going to serve yeah. those below from those up above. Well, I think I think the killing, like, awakened his bloodlust. I mean, he already had bloodlust, but it was bloodlust coming from a good place. Yeah. But this is when it's just kind of like, oh, no, he's just, he's okay. He's out to just fucking fuck shit up, and, and he will kill Judge Sherpa. I don't know. But, I mean, but I love that scene, though. Because again, Sasha Baron Cohen's so good. Um, I fucking still wit. I mean, Rami Malek did a fine job. Um, but you know, I don't really like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And I just want the Bohemian Rhapsody that was supposed to be rated R about Freddie fucking doing a bunch of drugs and sex shit, and it was supposed to be like more Freddie centric, and it was gonna be played by Sasha Baron Cohen. He had been trying to get this film made for like ten years. Ever. He was trying to get that fucking movie made, and then he fucking dipped out because um, fucking Queen, the real members of Queen, came in and were like, no, we want it to be about us, about the band, make it like a generic biopic, blah, 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 and that's exactly what they got. And Rami Malek was good, but he didn't sing. Sasha Baron Cohen can sing. Sing. And he would This motherfucker. He would have he put that attempt in. Now, they probably would have done like a mixed thing. Oh, well, yeah, but He'd still, have to. but well, still yeah. like, I mean, he still could have gotten pretty close and he would have had that like Rami Malek's Freddie wasn't sexual, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen is he's sexy. Like he's a sexy guy. <laughs> he is. I'm sorry. When I think of Sasha Baron Cohen, well, yeah, you think sexy, Borat. I think Borat. <laughs> you, yeah. And Borat and Speedo right now. But, oh, but no, like, I mean, but anyways, the, the, the scene is really fun. I love, like, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen. He's showing off the pipes and everything. And fucking Sweeney just fucking taking his time, fucking yawning, fucking putting the cape on super slow. Fucking, I mean, he's just sitting. He's just like, hmm. I'll get there. I'll and get then there, he, yeah. he waits for fucking Pirelli's money, money shot note and just fucking wipes his ass off the floor with it. Done. Fucking goes done. He's he's so skilled. He's Give skilled me your with money. The, he's skilled with the blade. Give me your money. Fuck you. Get out of town. You fucking suck. Your shit. Take your piss ink. Get out of here. <laughs> Take your piss ink. <laughs> like get out of here. Like I mean, he was done with that shit. But um, but yeah, like it was just like a it's a fun like I said it's like a really good character scene as well. Like on top of just being entertaining as fuck, you know. But. I just find that so interesting. A man who is ex- uh, not exacted revenge quite yet, but the guy that's been plotting and planning and trying to make all of this come to fruition for himself. He doesn't remember the w- one of a very few handful of people that could upset it. You know, he didn't he didn't think about the the kid from down the street that swept the floors for a little bit. True that. You know. A true that, and then the know. confrontation. And then Fucking, he, he does him wrong with a tea kettle. Are you f- like, damn, son? He does. He, he fucks fucking him up with that tea kettle. Just, 
fuck the blade. Like for a second, just the one kill that you know this is that is the one mm-hmm. the one knockout that is un yeah unblade related, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Minus his knockout in the very beginning when they popped him on the head, take him to prison. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you're done, bitch. <laughs> prison. And it's just like, really? That's all it took to take this dude away? Fucking but, uh, poor Sash. Yeah. That and, and uh, Mrs. Lovett getting fried. That's the Ooh, only other yeah. non-blade kill. None. Uh, non-blade kill. But, uh, but man. So, Sweeney, he's about that action. He's out for revenge. Absolutely. You know? And it's I do like that we do get... Um, do you think is pretty women that scene that it, does it for you of like only when it's I'm, pretty close. This is weird, <laughs> but I'll say it anyways. It's only that when I'm with you because that is quite. I know that we like now for real though. <laughs> we unwilling or um unknowingly excuse me change because like I, I remember way way back in the day I'd always only sing Alan Rickman. And you would always only swing to uh, Sweeney, but then there was like a period of time where we switch, and I sw- I sang Sweeney, and now it's just kind of like interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But it is that that when that f- when the beat just fucking drops, like that's a good moment. But I, th- if we're coming back to that, when is that? When is the movie like drop for you? Is this where you want to go? Is is what what is your drop? Oh well, it's probably not this one. Um, but I I, I did just also want to play like a quick little clip of it of pretty women um just because imagine rolling into a barber shop <laughs> and just like the barber's just like yeah what's up you ready for this duet real quick while i shave you <laughs> and just like rolls up in here like <laughs> in a merry mood today mr job it's your delights are catching fire from one man to the get in next. there get in this it's true as a love can still inspire the blood to pound a hardly higher one more what more can man require more than love, sir. Women. Ah, uh, yes, women. Pretty women. And then he's like, you know what? I, I, I will join you in this song, actually. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, sir. I will join you in this song. It's, it's that levity <laughs> that really, again, just, again, it's just yeah. like, okay, this, this is, is ridiculous. Where's this going to go? Because it's such a happy people. song. It is, like, yeah. this is like one of the happier songs of the of the movie. But and it, then, but it drastically means so much different for both of them. Yeah, it does. a little bit for Sweeney. He can he he can see how Topin or Turpin's coming from it. But like him himself, he's just like motherfucker. But what's cool? There's three versions of this because there's this where it's like them singing it together. It's all joy before he doesn't get to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then Sweeney is singing it by himself while he's killing a bunch of fucking people yeah. when Antony's looking for Joanna. So then there's that version, yeah. and then there's one more time at the end, fucking, oh, hey, you ready to pick up where we left off the last time never, you were in here? I never finished that shit. Can <laughs> right? I go ahead and finish you? So there's three versions of Pretty Women throughout this movie, and it changes with the, the situation and the character, you know? And that's fucking dope, because this movie just kicks ass like that. Yes, it does. But... But where the uh, no the drop for me though is um is after this is Epiphany like ah oh, I had him is there was there beneath my hands like no oh, I had him like that song for me is the drop uh, I mean that's just or maybe that's just my personal song but or personal favorite I was gonna say it's not it's, the it's, it's between not the drop these two for the uh, you could argue that, that it's, it's between a, these two for me though I I think for me um again. 
actor kicking in. I'm I'm always looking for that that climax, if you will. I'm looking for that point of no return. That's what she said. Thank you. And um, I think for me that that bass drop that that no point of return moment is always been um little priest because yes oh, right yeah. after right after epiphany he's just like this is where i am i missed my one shot i am going to murder his ass and then it's a matter of how am i going to murder his ass when can i and allowing that time to kind of fester and grow within him bam mrs lovett the love interest is back she's just like how can i how she goes, can i it's finally help my turn my time to shine in, in, i mean at a, to a certain degree his goals become her goals because oh, yeah. her goals is him uh-huh and so she says and that's that moment it's just they're merrily dancing in the kitchen with with knives and rolling pans and fucking singing about killing the people at the fucking top to serve the people down below. They're finally on a page together. But the, we are against the fucking world. It is us versus them, and we are going to come out on fucking top. That And, and then, like, bam, they should have fucked on the table. <laughs> That's where the sex scene is. <laughs> Right after a little priest, that's where they fuck. But again, he's just he's so that's, blind. Because that's this is the one time they're like on the same page, page yeah. and like this should have been it. But at the same time, he was still yeah, just like oh man, I'm excited about killing. And she's like yeah 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 yeah. And I I, I guess but. I, exactly because it's even at the end of the song. Oh come again when Judge is on the menu. Like that. Because that's shit. all he's thinking about still. It's all he's thinking. I think that she should have realized then that she needs to either try harder or. <laughs> or fold them cards and cash the fuck out. I mean, hey, she was ready to buckle down and kill a kid, so yeah, I mean, dude. she eventually got to that point. Like, For real. Which, I mean, again, Miss Lovett, she's just sad and depressed. She is, and, and I, I think it's a huge for Helena to, to, to be in that mindset and to make the choice of, I don't want to kill, I don't want to kill the kid. This isn't what I want, but it's what I need to do. And it's just that hard to, it's... <laughs> I don't want to say it's like Sophie's fucking choice out here or anything like that, but like, I don't know, man. Just the how far is a human willing to go to serve their humanity, or to serve their their personal interests? Exactly. I mean, because at the end of the day, like, yes, what happened to you sucked, but at the same time, he's like willing to murder, and then you find out it's like his wife wasn't even dead anyway. So you, yeah, but also you, know? you maybe you should have you know Carol Baskin, your husband. Maybe you'd still be happy at the meat pie emporium of Mrs. Lovett. <laughs> mm, Mrs. Lovett meat is pies. It, but, Give me some of that. But is it proven? <laughs> what that did she killed her husband? No, I just think because I said where did she get the money? Insurance. Insurance. That's <laughs> it. They have. That's they have. That's property insurance. <laughs> they have. They have life insurance. Back then, she she killed him and collected. Well, it, ma'am, you can have this amount of His money, or you could just have the the casa. You can have the casa and the uh, the smokestack and the weird room upstairs that'll house your inevitable doom. But that's okay. She said he ate himself to death. Ate himself to death. So she's been doing this cannibal shit for a Why while. Why were you? Well, no, she was just feeding him shitty pies. What if she was fucking feeding him his feet or something? Like, maybe this isn't her first cannibal game. <laughs> it might not have been, because, uh, I mean, she she came up to this idea pretty quick. 
I mean, she flipped like, really quick because, like, first she was like, ah, you fucking killed Pirelli? Are you crazy? And he's like, I was trying to blackmail him. And she goes, oh, okay. Then. Fucking cook them. Are you ready to rumble? And, yeah, <laughs> let's let's cook kidding? their asses. Let's fucking cook their asses. asses. Pra- oh. You practice. Practice your killing. Kill some more people. I don't have to kill I'll any cats. A- I don't That's have great. to kill cats. And I'm definitely not buying anything from the fucking market. That costs money. Let's just kill these motherfuckers. Like, and let's get this money. You fucking get to perfect your kill. Get to because I know you like to have flair for the dramatic. Because Mr. the Todd. minute you get off on killing the judge, I get off. We sexy. <laughs> you get off. I get off. We all get. You first, though. <laughs> you first. It's all good. I, I'm such a no, no, no. I, I'm really the lady. And here. then, I, and I'll, then, I'll let you go first. And then we'll go by the sea, and then we'll go get married by the, the sea. sea. Yeah. I Which is like really, it, you're, it's, it's sweet. Like she just there, like there is a happy ending in there. That's somewhere. what she wanted. Like I mean, do you think like she was genuinely like just like okay, like once you kill the judge, then it's done and over, and then she really believes that he's just gonna be like okay, yeah, now I'm ready to start my life with you. Now that that phase is over, whew, good thing I got that out of my system. system right? <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to go back to that jungle they sent me to. <laughs> and she's like, wait, what? what? Yeah, thanks for everything. <laughs> thanks for keeping my knives <laughs> safe. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks, for keep, thanks for saving my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your friend too, Mr. Todd. No, you're oh, not. Oh, Mr. Todd. Oh, Mr. Uh, no, but really, that is also, that's my, I would say top three. For the songs and that my I, friends, yeah. my friends. It's, oh yeah, it's little. Uh, it's pretty women, little priest, and friends. I got, I got my friends, uh, pretty women, and epiphany. And epiphany, yeah. Yeah, those are your. I mean, again, the out crazy crazy thing on on the sub again slashing <laughs> slashing. Through. Oh, get them! Back. He does just look. He looks like. Right imagine a crazy guy walking down the street, be like, "Get the fuck away from me." You know what I noticed this time around? I mean, I pointed it out like during the killing scene, like when he the montage of him just slicing a bunch of people's oh, throats. Yeah. But really, it's the entire movie. None of the extras, besides like the principal characters, have like actions or lines or anything. Everybody's like kind of like a zombie. Oh yeah. I never like really noticed that, but like like during even like the little towns meeting, everybody's just like kind of there, like uh, uh, and like the guys getting shaved, just fucking sit there, just like and like just like just th- I'm thinking of any time they're around like people in the movie besides like the party scene in the flashback. Yeah, but like besides that, the extras are all just like and like during that scene where it's just slashing around, everybody's just like kind of like zombied out, you know? Because obviously that's like a sequence in his head. Well, but. maybe maybe it's because even the when um when Antony goes to um the uh to the prison to the to the mental ward, that's actually a pretty good scene with extras. They are truly terrified until they are yeah. given the opportunity to to strike back. And I think that just kind of goes with saying those who have been put down uh, by by the motherfucking man, by by Big Brother, are those that are actually a little bit more woke. Unlike those who just gallivant on their daily lives, just zombieing through life, and it's really those that have been, you know, victimized and held down are the ones that are coming out. But what do you think it means? <laughs> I think Tim Burton saw 2020 coming before a lot of a lot of other things. Uh, a lot of other people really recognize he's just like some shit's gonna go down, guys. Dude, Judge Turpin kind of is like Donald Trump. For real, creepy. He yeah. likes his own daughter. He likes his own daughter. 
Sweeney Todd's so relevant. I don't, I don't mean to fucking politics Damn. this, but there's a but lot we of... Bro- we oh got it in God. there. Sweeney Todd more relevant than ever. You think Tim Burton and the uh, Simpsons staff are on the same page? <laughs> Damn. I mean, it's like, that's some real life imitates art type shit. Yeah, man. It's just like, wake the fuck up. Let's... M- I, I'm not saying murder anyone, folks. Nobody deserves that. But. But. So, did did anyone get a happy ending out of this? No. Besides Toby. I mean, I mean, Sweeney Todd, I mean, he did technically get what got what he wanted. He did get to exact his revenge, get to reveal himself to ben, to Judge Turpin. He, I mean, even though he dies. Anthony and Jojo get out. They Anthony get out and clean. Jojo get out clean. That's, I'm, I'm cool for that. That was Toby doesn't point. have a master anymore. No. He's free to do his own thing, but now he's kind of a killer, though. He's, that would actually make That's going to fuck him up. But he's already a drunk, so, I mean, he's got nowhere else he can go. It's only up from here. Toby. <laughs> the, ap- the apprentice demon barber of Fleet Street. Dude. <laughs> we should write that. Oh, my. We should write that as, like, a fucking, like, but in, like, fucking a very tra- Potter musical style. Trademark copyrighted, bitch. Don't even fucking touch it. <laughs> That's is us. No, we do it, like, in parody style. That would be great. So that way it's totally original. Oh, my God. Ah, that, and, like, it's, like, modern. S- Steven, stay, stay, okay, stay okay, alive. Uh, stay. <laughs> we need you on this one, buddy. I'll write him a real nice letter. Be like, hey, so this is our idea. You, you, I wonder how many letters he gets for a lot. For he says he did not like to give rights to like stuff, but then he was like, Timmy, I see you. Timmy. Real, recognize real. <laughs> Throw it down. <laughs> Fuck him up, man. And he did. So, but this movie. It's so good. It is. And I think it's a great way to start off the this this subclass. Yes. It's a it's a it's one of my favorite musicals, like just in general. Mm-hmm. But definitely in the horror musical realm. It's uh well, I mean, I I love all the movies I'm talking about this month. It's a really fun month. We have some guests and stuff and uh it's gonna be a good time. Good. It's going to be a good time. Did you have a good time talking about this? I had a wonderful time rewatching, revisiting the movie and getting back out on, you know, on the opposite side of the mic, you know, across from you. It feels good. It feels good to be back I in know. the seat. I know. I uh, know. We've, we've just attempted to do podcasts and just, you know, but I, and I was just like, and, and I'm glad, I think this was the perfect episode to bring you in on. Yeah. Because like, I was like trying to, I was like, what episode? Am I going to be on? Because I, I think I also, I think you'd probably want to be on when I eventually talk about The Lighthouse. I'd assume you might be in on that train. We'll see. TBD, who knows? That movie is fucking out of this world. TBD, but I think that would be a fun one for us to cover together whenever that comes up. I don't know when that's going to be because I do have like the next few months plotted out and everything. I got to ask though. Hmm. Any chance that Little Shop of Horrors is coming up? Yeah, okay. probably. Probably. Good. If I, if good, I, good, good. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Because I was gonna say, I mean, I, I have, like, I have the whole month this. locked in except for one week, and um, it depends on if I have a guest or not. Also a surprise. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. It depends. But this is gonna be a fun month overall, and uh, very excited about it. Yeah. So before we go ahead and close uh, this episode out, or, well, at least this part, I will close the episode out myself. Mm-hmm. But 
um, as far as me and you go, um, because, I mean, we pretty much covered most of the things in the movie, but I did have a bunch of, like, just random bullet point notes, so we're gonna, like, lightning round this. Okay. So just back and forth, we're gonna go tit for tat, just think of a random, very specific thing you love about this movie. Okay. Random okay. specific thing. Or just, like, something that you noticed around, like, but we're just gonna go lightning, lightning style. You ready? <laughs> ready for this? I hope so. Here we go. Ready for this? Uh, one quote that I love. Oh, he's the last word in barbering. Can we bring that compliment back? I really I, love that. You, you said that earlier, and I was like, yeah, but I, I feel like you can only say it for very specific things. No, you could say that about so many things. Like, be like oh, man, that bartender, he is the last word in cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> he's the last word in cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh all right give me one all right uh i i still think back to the uh to the memes uh the the, the the fact that this this has got so many memes here i stand boy kill me where i stand that is like the epitome of like um ugh, just this movie alone it is perfect that that is definitely meme worthy and the the double get out <laughs> get out yeah <laughs> <laughs> like definitely there's a lot of meme material here um, also want to shout out the scene of, uh, when Sweeney ate too many edibles and ended up making a contraption death chair. <laughs> <laughs> Just so fixated on making sure his deaths go. Like that, that is elegantly. straight up, that is straight up making Ikea furniture at 3 a.m. <laughs> that, that's Sweeney in that scene. <laughs> Look at this fucking chair I made. Uh, Look at this chair. Look Which what was does. real and functional, by the way, of course. Just like they, shooting him down a slide and they, shit. Yeah, they shot him down a slide. And MSU did one, too. They made a functional chair and mini slide in trapdoor <laughs> thing. They, Bye, they bitch. But, um, but yeah, real chair. What, what, what else you got? Quote-wise? Just in general. Oh, oh, just in general. And what do I... What, what do you mean? Just uh, Anything? Just anything. Wh- what I love about this... The fucking fuck-me Big Daddy looks that Helena gives off. Any chance that she gets a moment alone with Sweeney, even even the moment when she's like, "What's going on, dear? There's there's something crazy." My, it's all she's saying is, "Babe, I love you. What's wrong?" There's a lot of good facial oh. expressions. Oh my god. There's a lot of good facial expressions. Johnny Depp has a lot of great background acting, is what I wrote down in mm. my notes of oh, yeah. him just like make reacting to things and just like off to the side. And, like, not drawing attention, but, like, just such genuine reactions, like, in Sweeney's character. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, the the facial expressions are pretty top-notch in this. Um, I wish there was more dark comedy. That's one, because I think they do it so well. Like, the scene where Judge Turpin is, like, sentencing someone, and he's, like, going down to mine, like... You've done this, and this is your Horrible second time. Fucking this is your second time. Yeah. You are, you are an abomination to society and mankind. Therefore, I sentence you to hang by the neck until you die. And then he bangs a gavel and swings around, and it's like an eight-year-old, yeah, like a nine-year-old boy. It's just like <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It's like, Fuck, dude. But also life expectancy too. So like he was, he was middle-aged. It's still, about it. it's just so funny. <laughs> I wish there was more. I wish there were more dark comedy scenes like that. Like I mean, it's there. Yeah. Like I'm glad that he didn't overdo it. Maybe I I will say maybe. there's balance, but it's it's a little bit more off kiltered towards he, musical aspect than let's find the dark comedy true aspect. That. So true to that. Yeah, no, that's Gucci and Toby's a thug. 
Like, he's had a weird life. He grew up in a sweatshop, then for Pirelli, now he, and then he became a drunk, and now he's a killer, too. I'm telling you, man, he's middle-aged. He's fucking lived a life. And he, even before he killed Sweeney, when he's singing, uh... Uh, not while I'm around and uh, to Mrs. Lovett, mm. he fucking leans in her ear and goes, I got ways. Like if any, if anything's going what, out there, what dark secrets I've is got ways. Th- it's going to make the perfect sequel. It's going to make the perfect dude, sequel. Dude. We got to make the Toby <laughs> sequel. <laughs> Toby Todd. <laughs> Toby Todd. Would you think you would take Todd or do you think you'd take Lovett? But Toby Todd just sounds better. It does, yeah. And I want him to like turn into a spitting image of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Damn it. He's he's twenty, but his hair is already gray and white. But <laughs> he's only twenty. <laughs> he's just Beetlejuice, actually. <laughs> Toby, t- wrapping up the Tim Burton universe. There it is. I think that's a good one to end on. That's a good place to end on. You got anything else about this movie you want to shout out? Mad respect to to the technical to the technical side of this movie. Again, just the the practicality of of the blood to that extreme, and everything that went in this movie. It being that fifty million dollar budget, like well, money well spent in my opinion. It it just is so well rounded because me. Me being me, knowing what a good budget and what a not good budget is, um, especially for a horror movie with a lot of gore, shit can go wrong very quickly if 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 you don't have the time and the passion to the time or the pa- not time and or and the or the passion, excuse me. But uh, just uh, I I thank you to everybody who was a part of making this film because you really helped shape how I like movies and. Help how uh I like art. Yeah. It's it's in it's in the in the categories of how it has made me feel about wanting to pursue this career. And Show. and finding love for that creative side of myself and being passionate about art in general. Yeah. Because it can be so different and still be so okay. Mm-hmm. It it is definitely one of those films that you like kinda like that is like a goal, like for something of this you know, specific vision, this scale, you know, and just for this perfect storm of everything to go right and to produce this film and all the pressure that came on it of being an adaption of a popular show. Like, I mean, just for all the things to just like click the way that they did, you know, and they obviously had a crew that was all on board to like make it happen. Like there's a lot of really great behind the scenes um, stuff you can find on YouTube about this movie. And, like, the people on it, like, the fucking effects guys were having so much fun testing these blood effects and shit. Like, I mean, they were having a blast. And it's like, yeah, like, when you think of, like, like getting to do a $50 big budget movie and it's this specific niche fucking horror musical that you want to do. Like, and get to do it in your style and fucking just, like, you know, everything came together for me. Just got to do his fucking thing. And, and... And part of that is because it, it was a Warner Brothers production, and Tim Burton's had a very long-running relationship with Warner Brothers. A lot of his films have been through Warner Brothers. Um, but yeah, like, Tim Burton, fucking, he got it done. And, like, this is one of those movies that, like, a lot of people say, like, Tim Burton, like, lost it after, like, Sleepy Hollow. They're like, which Bullshit. is... I know, right? Go Isn't fuck that... yourself. Because, like, fucking Big Fish is one of my favorite of his films. 
Like, that's, what I think, one of his more underrated films. That was after Sleepy Hollow, and then I know, I mean, I love the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I know a lot of people don't, don't like his they version. Don't. They don't. I like his version quite a bit, because <laughs> it's fucking weird, and he fucking did his thing on it, and just, you know, I respected Timmy B all day, but, um, but yeah. <laughs> Your abbreviation of respect to Robbie Pats. <laughs> no, it's Bobby Pats. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> Robert Pattinson is Bobby Pats. Oh, the, 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 I have so many. I have so many nicknames like that for people. That's how I'm gonna introduce myself if I see certain. If I see if you somebody. start doing interviews for these for these celebrities, like what's up, Bobby? <laughs> That'd be so funny. That'd be so fucking funny. Fuck. But thank you, Tyler, for joining the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. What uh? Where can the people find you and stuff? Uh, the people can find me at the t dot a dot Coleman C O L E M A N. Uh, that is on the Instagram. I don't Twitter. Um, I don't I don't tweet the twats, and um, I don't um, I don't face the book. Um, I also don't. What else is out there? Uh, the talkies. I don't do the the TikToks. Um, I don't I don't do a lot of things. I mean, you bare minimum your Instagram. I bare minimum <laughs> everything, but you can find me there, and you can most definitely reach out. And uh, I'm always looking forward to a good project being sent my way, or doing like a little collab on a little bit of a writing scale. Um, the D and D freaks, come find me. I'm all yeah, about it. definitely. The D and D freaks yeah. coming. D and D freaks definitely go find Tyler. Please, yes. But uh, yeah, no, that's where you can find me. You can look at all my shit, and then you can follow it to my website. And uh, this won't be the last time you hear of Tyler or Absolutely see not. of Tyler as well. You know, you'll you'll, you'll definitely he'll pop up on some YouTube things and other me. podcast stuff. I need to finish some of these shorts that I just like have sitting around. I know, man. We gotta. I'll get on it. Yeah, yeah. I'll get on it. But thank you for joining us. Thank you, good sir. Much appreciated. I love you dearly. You are one of a kind. Hey, I love you too, man. You're number one. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode because obviously we did. Um, Tyler and I had a blast. We used to, Tyler would kind of fill in a lot as an extra host on Jesus Take the Real back in the day. He or he would hop in if I couldn't find a guest, rather. And uh so he was like a recurring host on there. And we've tried to do podcast stuff together, but he's just not a horror movie guy and I just my heart was doing a horror podcast. But I was so glad that he got to come on the show and talk about a horror movie that he actually does love. So I was very happy with that. And like I said at the very beginning of the episode I have some other special guests coming up in this episode, and the next guest that will be on the show in two weeks is a very special person in my life, so get excited for that. But next week is a solo episode, and guess what? It's back-to-back Burton, baby, except this time we're getting animated. We're talking The Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride. Um, I absolutely fucking love both of these movies. I have a Nightmare Before Christmas tattoo on my arm. Uh, These are very special movies, and this solo episode, hopefully I'll get nice and intimate with y'all. But it'll also just be a really fun one, because I absolutely just love those two movies. So, be on the lookout for that. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Um, Make sure you rate a five-star review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. 
Also, subscribe to Bloody Blunts on YouTube. I actually have a couple new YouTube videos up. I have a new review segment called Bloody Bites, which are mini reviews of movies in under five minutes. And uh, I think they're pretty fun, and I'm going to have more videos like that, and I'm working on a video essay and some other stuff. So just make sure you are subscribed on YouTube. I have some really fun content coming to you. But that's going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. Thank you for listening. New episodes come out every Tuesday. Next week, you have a solo Burton boy coming at you. Make sure you are following on Twitter and Instagram at BloodyBluntCC and subscribed on YouTube at BloodyBlunts for all that ghoulish good good. So until next week, guys, stay lifted.